Welcome to the Broken to Unbroken podcast with Dr. Nick Askey, where we dive deep into how to eliminate pain and continue to train. So welcome to episode nine of the Broken to Unbroken podcast. And today's special guest with us is uh, Dr. Tyler Bryant, uh, former co-worker, current friend. Uh, he's been a, a good friend uh, when we worked together down here in San Antonio. Uh, his wife's a, a great friend of ours as well. Uh, and Tyler worked with us uh, for a, a good while. And we, we worked together, worked out together uh, on and off. And he left me in the dust every time. Uh, but Tyler is back up in uh, the St. Louis area. And we're going to talk today about some, some different points of going from a atmosphere of a large company and then transitioning into a solo practice, uh, taking uh, only cash and the different challenges and, and rewards that come with that. So uh, welcome, Tyler. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be on. Good to hear your voice again. It's good to hear you too, man. Uh, I was talking to uh, Dr. Crisp this morning. I was telling him that uh, I was going to be talking with you, and he's like, oh, man, that's going to be an awesome show. You guys both have the gift of gab. <laughs> we try to uh, – I try to get my metaphors – up to snuff with yours from time to time. Well, I'm sure yours make more sense. Yeah, sometimes they do. But if I get an eye roll in the office, I, I feel like I've done my job. Well, you can't hear an eye roll on a podcast. So let's let's roll with this. <laughs> let's do it. All right, man. Both of our wives just rolled their eyes if they even listen to this. So yeah, they do. They, right. they did. And <laughs> All right. Good deal, man. So just kind of explain uh what the what the change was when you were going through your head like all right i'm established with this company uh and then just what motivated your change and what sure. things were scary and what things were exciting and let, let's just roll with this sure so i was with the group uh for down in san antonio for two years and we don't uh, basically have to say the group i mean we it's a Rossi, uh, <laughs> okay, large sure. group, and uh, it's just this is not sponsored or uh, endorsed by a Rossi. Just a fine print, but we don't have to treat it like oh, the the Voldemort group. I just didn't want someone to knock on your door uh, next week and say you have a meeting with HR. So, uh, but uh, so I was with the Rossi for two years, basically pretty much to the day, um, and worked in three different locations and loved it, loved everything about it, learned a lot from not only you, but other folks around in an area uh, with Dr. Chris and Dr. Mall and the VP team and all of that and everybody. And then my wife told me that she was expecting after about six months, six, seven months of me being there with Rosti. And so we said, okay, sit down five-year plan we want to get back to where we're both from because we're both from the st louis area and our son was born healthy uh, but he was a difficult infant and the five-month plan or five-year plan rather turned into the five-month plan 
And she said, figure out a way that how, how you're going to help support our family back home. And so I grabbed a giant napkin and started just figuring things out, trying to piece together how could I make this work like Arasti has done in Texas and in the other areas that it was it was thriving in. How can I do this, number one, in a brand new area? And number two, by myself. Because that, and that was the biggest hurdle. Because there's no HQ to answer phone calls or schedule or call on reimbursement or check verification. And uh, so that's what drove me to the cash route. Because as you know, um, some people just came in and paid cash at that time. Uh, when I was with, cause that was when Medicare was still okay. Um, and so I started looking through some of the physical therapy blogs and podcasts, and it's very open about sports medicine, musculoskeletal treatment in physical therapy that they run cash. They run on the hour and bill cash, provide a super bill. You can address that to your insurance company. If you have an HSA account or a health spending account, we can take that because it is a medical service and a provider. The cool thing about St. Louis, as well as Texas, um, Kairos are portal of entry. So you don't need an MD or any type of referral to get to us first. And so that was kind of the jumping point. And I thought, okay, well, can I a la carte this? Like here, let's do a joint mobilization. Let's do soft tissue work. Let's do rehab. Would I price it out per, per hour or per unit of service that I provide? And I just thought that gets too messy. Yeah. Let's just, let's just stick with per hour, like an attorney, um, because people, pay attorneys to do their job because they don't want to do that for them because they'll screw it up. And that's kind of where I thought I could fit in with this model um, in St. Louis because it's very, very heavy insurance based here, mainly because of the school because Logan is here. Yeah. And, and insurance, like it's their special club and they have this. Well, that's it, that man. For, even if they have a high deductible, then they're like, Oh, you're not part of my club. So I'm not going to go to you. Right. And it's not, it's, it's disaster insurance. If you really look at the fine print, I mean, you got If you're a family of four, you've got an $8,000 deductible. And if you're healthy, you'll never meet that unless something really bad happens and heaven forbid that doesn't happen. And so you're end up, you end up paying out of pocket anyway. And these bigger companies now that are self-insured know the value in a high deductible plan for their employees because it costs them less money, but then they give them an HSA or a, you know, a health spending account and then they match it. If it's a really cool company, cough, yeah. cough. Um, <laughs> and then if, and that's, this is a conversation that I have in the office or even on a phone consult initial, like, tell me about, I was referred to you. What are you, what are you do? What do you do? How do you do it? How do you, how much does it cost? And, and so I, when I tell them that, and they, they just have this, oh, well, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I go to my, I go to my MD and I'm in the, off, the waiting room for 30 minutes and then I see the nurse and then I see them for five and 
then I get a bill and insurance didn't cover anything because I didn't collect my, I didn't hit my deductible yet. I said, yeah, well, the one thing I'll guarantee you is you'll never wait in my waiting room for 30 minutes. And then they start to understand the value of their time. And that's the biggest thing that I can put. I try to teach people is how much is your time really worth? Yeah. And the, the big thing is, is just having time face to face one-on-one it's very high value every minute in the, in the office that's spent. You're getting more bang for your buck. You're not getting a bunch of magazines read in the, in the waiting room. You're not going to be late to meetings and at work, and you're not going to have to reschedule a bunch of stuff, and you're not going to have to deal with all that stress because if your doctor respects you and you run on a schedule, that's, that's what takes a lot of stress out of the scenario. Exactly. And that stress is only going to make it more difficult for someone to come in your door. And that's a barrier of entry. So if you can lower that barrier to pretty much nil, uh, you know, every people love it. And, you know, I said, listen, I don't want to, if I go someplace and I'm waiting that long, I'm going to let them know, Hey, if you don't shape up, like I'm not coming back because there's a lot of other people like you that do just a pretty darn good job, just like you do. And I think using that time rather than fee for service, it it really puts a value on your time. And if the patient's running late, it's like, oh, yeah, I know that our our time is valuable because it's the time that is what they're paying for. It's not the, oh, how many things did we rack up on this list? Mm -hmm. Oh, for sure. And then they understand like, well, why do I, I don't have to explain to somebody why did I do what I did? And then, cause it was on the bill. I'm like, whoa, well I gave you this because yeah. I can charge this versus I gave you exactly what I believe you needed. And you also told me that in your last physical therapy clinic or last Cairo visit or what have you, that you had good results with this. So why reinvent the wheel? If you had good results, we're going to, we're going to cash in on it. So let's talk a little bit about your clinic, what it's called, what the context is, kind of the, the layout, the, how you designed it as far as kind of running it as a lean and mean machine, uh, just some of the nuts and bolts and just kind of giving people some context so they can visualize uh, just kind of your clinic. Sure. Yeah. So the name of the clinic is Inbox Functional Rehab. Um, and I came up with that if you will, because I started when I was looking back, I needed low overhead. I wasn't going to take out a loan because I already owe Sally Mae way more money than I ever really should have. But that's another <laughs> that's another podcast. Uh, low overhead. And the things that I had listened to uh, from that kind of cash based physical therapy realm, that's what they were pushing. Find a gym that's Find someplace that your patients are already at, but they're not your patients yet. And I thought, well, I've got a really good connection with the CrossFit community here in St. Louis. And I still maintain contact with them while I was in Texas. Uh, I, they would call me, hey, if you were here, I would call you, but you're not. So I need some place to fix my hip, X, Y, Z. So I, I just kept in contact with them and and some gym owners and they had some space. And so I just said, can I rent some space from you? And they said, you're not paying us any money. Uh, just 
be here, be available to our athletes. Uh, we'll call your rent, your gym membership, and we'll, we'll kind of make it work from there. So great, very grateful for that opportunity. And that was the, the jumping point. Um, I tend to call that the prison yard office or the prison cell because it was four walls, a door, no windows, and a lot of banging and clanging of weights <laughs> and kettlebells and other things. So from there, I went to an office share space because I started to think if someone that doesn't know CrossFit and they're a little bit leery of it, has a daughter that sprained their ankle, how likely is that person going to come into my doors? And the answer is not very. Um, so again, it's that barrier of entry. And so I found this office share space and I can give kudos to uh, Jeff Littman for throwing that bug into my ear. Uh, and so it was with Regis uh, and they, they do, they rent out this whole floor in a kind of a class A office building, and then they sublease the different rooms. So I was next to a mortgage lender and across the hall from a tax attorney and down the way from a CPA. Uh, and everybody just did their own thing. And that was the broom closet. Again, four walls, a door. It had fake windows, so glass that was tinted, but it was, it was an internal, internal room. From there, and I was there for almost a year, 10 months. And then I got a call from a colleague that I graduated, not graduated with, but he was a couple of classes behind me in Logan. And he says, hey, I have this space. My marketing guy is going to do some more virtual things. And so he doesn't need his office. What are your thoughts? And he is a, this doc is a functional medicine doc. So he does nothing in the sense that I do in terms of nuts and bolts, biomechanics. Let's look at movement rehab. He's all functional medicine, internal health. And so we work very well together symbiotically and uh, it, it worked out well. So now I, th this is the penthouse, if you will. I'm looking over the giant gallery of mall. If anybody listening, all four of you from uh, uh, St. Louis are familiar. And yeah, I've got a good view of what uh, the westward expansion. So this is what Lewis and Clark saw. And yeah, things are things are rolling and, and moving and grooving, and it's a bigger space. So each time the space grew and grew, and so the name Inbox started from CrossFit gyms are called boxes. I like puns. Inbox Excellent. it was, <laughs> and yeah, and so I, to extrapolate on that because I'm not in a I'm not in a CrossFit gym anymore. You, I really only need four walls with a door to do what I do and to get people better and to get people moving and out of this chronic pain cycle. Uh, you don't need fancy equipment. You don't need 60 different machines that beep and buzz and light up and you know tell you how great of a job and how great of a human being you are. You just need four walls and a door and, and someone that's gonna listen. And that's what I try to employ. Yeah, and I think that's what uh, me and some of our other training folks uh, have tried to instill in people is that the, the rehab side of things doesn't have to be fancy either. Something that shouldn't need to look fancy on YouTube or be really 
intense and complicated just to entertain yourself, you shouldn't have trouble doing the exercises that you're prescribing a patient. Uh, so along with that parallel of, all right, all we need is four walls, something to lay on and a, a pad to write on the, the rehab doesn't have to be super, uh, involved either because people, they're going to only retain about half of what you tell them. So it's got to have a very low, uh, risk and a very high margin of error to where they can do the stuff back ass words and still not hurt themselves. Exactly. But, but if you look at some of these and, and PRI, PRI is a great program, but PRI was designed. And if you're wondering what PRI is, it's Postural Restoration Institute And their stuff is fantastic to read and like really nerd out on and, and give you a, a biomechanical and neurological perspective to view the body. But if you look at their laundry list of exercises, they're designed for physical therapy that is long-term and constantly supervised in a clinic. And there's 19 steps to every exercise. Mm -hmm. And I, I gotta be reading the directions while I'm setting myself up and I'm doing it half wrong and not feeling what they're supposed to feel. Imagine what a patient that doesn't want to move at home, they're, they're assembling a milk crate and a, a set of maracas to do their exercises. And it's like, okay, it doesn't need to be that complicated. Yeah, exactly. And that's it too. If it gets a lot of likes on Instagram, it's probably not the best thing for the majority of the population. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's gotta be, it's gotta be simple. How many times, and I'll ask you this, how many times do you give the same thing or a variation of that particular exercise to, to people that come in? Like, I'll, I'll let you answer. I mean, it gets pretty darn repetitive. And if a, yeah. a patient comes in and that they have a relative that has a similar thing, and I'm like, this is going to seem like we just do the same thing with everybody, but there are general concepts and common things that everybody sucks at for a reason, because I think that we have fallen into these patterns because we have a lot of the same habits that are not evolutionarily congruent with the way we are designed to live that cause us to fall into a lot of these same patterns. So I'm like, all right, this is not your genetics. This is not your daughter having the same genetic problem. It's like you're special, but you're not that special. Everybody has this problem. Yeah. And that's a tough thing for their ego too, to hear, but that's, that's the truth. And yeah, I mean, gosh, I, I teach a hip hinge every day till I'm blue in the face. Like, how do you guys not know how to do this yet? But I, I, you got to remind yourself, you, like you, we as clinicians do this all the time. You know, we, if you're good, you practice what you preach and the lay person is completely baffled and it's a new thing. So that's something that I try to that kind of looping back to that, what I grad, gathered and grabbed from Arasti and that I try to employ here is always be in the moment with that person, because that one thing you say to them, it could change their life. And it might be the 17th time you've said it that day. Yeah. And, and a lot of times it early on, I was, I've, I've calmed down a lot in the last 
like eight, nine years of doing this, like I would be way too intense and like freaking Nick Saban screaming at some old lady <laughs> who doesn't know how to hip hinge. I'm like, we've been through this five times. I'm like, I don't have that many visits. If I see you another time, I'm going to get fired in. But now it's just <laughs> like, okay, like let's, let's chill out and let's, let's try and make this applicable. Let's take some of the principles that, uh, Gray Cook and Charlie Weingroff and some of these guys take and go, okay, how do I make this a non-gravitational influenced exercise? How do I get this person to feel this uh, in a less complex neurologic and motor control environment? And once you get their brain to find that, then, then it's a lot easier because then you see the light bulb go off and they kind of look at you and you're like, yep, that that's it. Like nothing needs to be said. And I'm like, yep, we found it. Now we're cooking with gas. Yeah, we found it. Now stop looking for it because it's always in the last place you look, right? You don't, you don't keep looking after you find it. <laughs> yeah. So let's go through, uh, just the differences that you've discovered. Cause I haven't really practiced in a non-insurance game cause I came straight from Palmer uh, to be one of kind of the first guinea pig new grad doc at Arosti. And I came straight down here and haven't really, I was very blessed to have all the insurance contracts and yeah. it's kind of the pampered child. Uh, and I, I've listened to a lot of those same podcasts and read a lot of those same blogs because it helps me instill value to my high deductible patients that have that same conundrum of, okay, is this dude worth it? Yep. Or does this hurt enough for me to fix it? And uh, what what challenges and what benefits have you had as far as transitioning to only cash? Yeah, that's a good, I'm glad you made that point uh, of that high deductible plan, even though you're in network with a lot of carriers, you still have to have that conversation. Like, is are you worth it? Is this, does this hurt bad enough? And that's, so the, the biggest thing that I have found is just being upfront and honest. Because the first question that I get is not, do you take my insurance? It's, can you fix this? And, or have you heard of something like this before? So, because the people that are finding me are, are finding me through some type of grassroots uh, friend or family referral that's not just a cold kind of cold, uh, marketing ploy, uh, off the internet or off of, you know, direct mail. Yeah. So when the conversation, yes, I've, I've heard something similar. Uh, I can, I'll speak to more of that. If you're, when you're in the office, let's get you scheduled in here. And, and then the second or third question is usually the, you know, well, how does payment work or insurance? And you just be upfront. These are my rates. Uh, and this is why. And you'll experience that you're experience the value when you're here. You're going to get me the whole time. I'm not going to juggle you between six different people. Uh, you're going to leave knowing what you have, pretty much a good idea of why you got it, and then a good game plan initially to to fix it. And putting that kind of confidence in them is is huge because then they say, "All right, cool. Well, let's let's do it." Uh, and then I'll I will also tell them when we follow up with you in about five to seven days, uh, you will either be better, you will be the same, 
or you will not be better. And all of those can are valuable because that will help us paint this picture and figure out what map and what road you're on. So, and then they, they kind of just understand like, yeah, this was, this was way worth it. And, and I tell them it's again, being on time, I'm on time, make sure you're on time. We're going to get down to the nitty gritty uh, pretty quickly. Yeah. And I think that the big part of when somebody has a high out of pocket is setting realistic expectations and not judging a book by its cover. Because if you judge somebody and you are just like, oh, I don't think this person has enough money to cover this. So I think it's going to take six visits, but I'm going to tell them, all right, it may take two or three. Like you're just not being straight with them. You're being a salesperson and that person wants to know, like they have a budget, they have a family, they have a life, they have to plan time for this. You don't know if that person, if that's a financial burden to them. And if it is really a financial burden to them, then it's, it's up to you to be a good doctor and a good human being and go, okay, what's, what's legal to do here? What's responsible to do here? Is this person just taking advantage of me or is it? Is it a legit hardship scenario? Because someone like you who owns a business, it's my understanding that there's actual tax shelters and hardship forms that you can fill out and and kind of write some of this stuff off if they can prove that they legit can't afford care. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there are. And thankfully, I haven't had to get into any of that because I call me a a sucker or a sap or a, a realist, I guess, but I just, I understand. And if someone is, if someone is upfront and honest with, I really, I need, I know I need to be here, but I can't afford it. I'm like, listen, man, I'm going to help you out. Like, I don't want money to be the only thing getting you uh, in, you know, improper care or lack thereof. So it's, it's one of those things like, let's just have a conversation let's be honest and let's be okay with being a little bit vulnerable because I have the same issues that you do. Like the person sitting in my room is if they've got a family and they've got bills and they've got things that they've got to pay for, like, so do I. <laughs> so I can, if you put yourself in their shoes and kind of understand, okay, I know where they're coming from. Let's, let's help each other out. And guess what? And if you, not to interrupt, but if you do, if you do that, for that person, that person will fill your friggin' office because they will understand like this dude actually cares. Not not about how much he's gonna be, how quickly he's gonna be able to pay off his Tesla. Um, he's gonna actually care about it, getting getting me better, and so I trust him to do all of this. And I've had a few patients like that, and it's like I don't. Sometimes I don't think I'm the right guy for them. And I tell them, like, I think you need to see this orthopedist or this specialist. And they're like, I know you say that, but I feel so much better after I see you for so long a period of time. That's not changing. I said, okay, just as long as we're both on the same page. Yeah. And I think that I've had some cases too, to where the person really is, at the end of their rope, they've been everywhere else. And I'll, I'll treat them free of charge just because I know I'm going to learn something because they have something that's really weird. And I'm just tinkering and experimenting. But I tell people I don't experiment with other people's money. So mm -hmm. if, 
I'm not sure how this is going to work and they're along for the ride and they know that this is not something that I'm really confident or something that I know what's going to happen. And it's not a like life and death scenario. It's like, all right, I've been dealing with this for 20 years. I've been to every doctor uh, and we just are platooning exercises in and out and trying different treatment areas and different treatment positions. And uh, then it's, it's like, okay, this is not a huge pressure on me because the person isn't having to second mortgage the house as I'm sitting here experimenting. Uh, and that, that also kind of takes some pressure off of, of us so that we can learn from sure. these tough cases. Yeah. Cause you got to learn, you got every, every encounter is a learning experience. And if you can't take a, something out of it, uh, then why, why are you doing what you're doing? Yeah. And I tell all of our new docs and anyone who will listen, I go, if you don't see one, at least one thing that confuses you on a day that you are working and seeing patients, you are not paying attention because even if it's stuff that you've seen over and over and over again, you should still find something that kind of sends up the spidey senses and it's like, okay, that's a little weird. So I'm going to do some research as to why treating that made that better or why that test was different after we treated that, or why that exercise was so effective for that particular kind of patient. Uh, and if you don't write that stuff down and you don't categorize that in your head, that's just you kind of taking up space and breathing oxygen. It's not deliberate practice. And that's what's going to help you get better at being a doctor so much faster. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. And writing it down. That's the, that's the biggest thing uh, that you need to do. Obviously, if you're taking insurance because audits happen and you need to have documentation, but uh, you gotta, I, I keep records too. Like you can't just come in and say, Hey, James, how you doing? All right, let's do this. And nothing gets documented uh, because this is a medical entity. Things are, I have to have my things covered uh, as well as the patient. So, you know, paperwork and uh, phone calls and text messages and emails and things, they all have to be secure and HIPAA compliant as well as treatment and rehab and making sure that I have things written down properly. And then I'll ask them, like, how did this go? Oh yeah, it worked really well. Do whatever you did last time. Well, that's good because I know how to do it. So I wrote it down. Yeah. And there's two sides to that. Like there's the write it down in the document. And then I have, I've done this since like 2015. I'll keep two of those field notes, notebooks in my pocket every day in my scrubs. One of them has my yearly goals. So I like, those are always in my pocket and I can go, okay, how am I doing on these? Am I falling behind? Uh, and those are goals for all categories of my life. And then I have another one where if I'm walking around listening to a podcast, listening to an audiobook, if I see something in the clinic that isn't, I mean, no patient names are in there, but it's something like, hey, when I treat this, hip internal rotation gets better. I'm going to write it in that book because that book is kind of the best of. And mm -hmm. I want to be able to page through those and go, okay, yeah, I read 74 books last year. I don't remember 95% of what I read but this is the best of the best written in these notebooks. And I may only have three or four a year, but those are like the gems to where it's like, okay, this is, 
like if my house was burning, those would be high on the list of things that I would I would take out with my wife, my dog, and some the wedding album. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because it's like a it's like a highlighter for the year. You know, you highlight hot topics and you bold and underline and certain things so that they pop out. Mark them down because then they're, then they're pertinent. Yeah, because there's too much out there. Like you're not going to go back and read a book a second time. The likelihood of you pulling a book out of a box or out of your library and looking through highlights again is not very high. The, it's very hard to bookmark and highlight an audiobook or a podcast. So if it's in this like centralized location of, of gems, that seems to be a pretty effective strategy for me because I don't want to lose all that. And I know I'm not going to remember a vast portion of it because it's just a revolving door of what's the most pressing or the most interesting or the most curious, like, I just forget all the other stuff. Just ask my wife about our calendar. She's like, you didn't remember we're going to this state this weekend? I'm like, well, well, I guess we'll pack my stuff. <laughs> that sounds like a conversation I had last night. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get down to the brass tacks of, all right, what does a, a treatment look like? If you want to get into the details of time charges, etc., you can. Uh, just to kind of give people an idea uh, and to be clear, like there's, there's a lot of people that are eventually will listen to this, hopefully that may work at a Rossi. to be clear. This isn't like a blueprint on how you go out on your own. Cause I'm sure other, the, the family thing is, is what motivated you to do this. I'm sure mm -hmm. you went through a lot of challenging things that you wouldn't like recommend to your best friend on doing this because there's a reason a lot of people have done this and it's because of your conservative strategy and front end research and just the fact that you can make friends with a fence post in three, three minutes that has made you successful to do this on your own. Uh, this is not like, Oh, this is the easy blueprint on how to leave a Rosti and start your own practice. Yeah. Yeah. If you're, you don't want to do that. There are, there are many times where I wish <laughs> I said, man, I wish I could just move my family back down and we could do it that way. And uh, that, that would be fun because then we wouldn't have to deal with the nasty weather that was here in January. Yeah. But uh, um, so all things aside. So first visits are typical visits are an hour long. Uh, first visits always an hour. And it's going to include your general regular history mechanisms of injury, all of those things. But then I tell folks, we're going to run through a lot of movement things. Can I, and I'm not going to give you a lot of cues because I just want to see how you do things because there's going to be a lot of stuff that, that I will pick up and then reiterate to you as to why certain MSK injuries and why these certain things have come about, why you're in the office. And after then, I don't really say a whole, whole lot during that time. I just want them to really think about what they're doing, and, um, try to get over that weirdness aspect of he's telling me to squat and like stare at and look deeply into his eyes. I'm like, don't look at me, look at the window. <laughs> and from there, we get a little bit more orthopedic, uh, just making sure that we're mi not missing any yellow or red flags. And so that's, you know, this is pretty, pretty typical thus far. And we educate a lot. So there was one thing I grabbed from uh, training at Rossi, mainly with uh, Dr. Chris, 
I know it was one of my first days. I, he was, he was pumping it out at shirts and, uh, he drew on that muscle man chart. And I thought that's brilliant. And then the next day Arnold said, and here's what we do to educate. We draw on the chart. So it was, uh, and so I do that every single time. And that's not just first visit, that's follow-up visits. So that, cause I want to employ some education so people know what kind of machine and body that they're living in and why it works the way it works. And then we get some treatment done, done that day. Uh, it's a little bit, but it's all manual therapy based, some joint manipulation, some mulligan stuff. I very rarely adjust um, in terms of, you know, the classic chiropractic work, because it, unless it really needs to be moved, you can move it on. You can move things on your own. Um, and that's what I try to tell folks too. Like, and they said, well, aren't you going to pop me? Well, I am a Cairo by trade, but I don't really do all of that. Trust me on this. I said, have you ever had an experience that has been not so great? And they're like, yeah, that one guy told me it was tough to move. And then I heard for four days. I'm like, well, we're not going to do that. <laughs> and so, yeah, that's kind of, and then we go through some rehab things, some very basic general movement patterns and Let's get some joints moving, uh, bodies moving, not just the area that hurts, but all over the place, the whole body. And then we, I do talk a little bit of pain science as well, because I think people really need to understand that if your elbow hurts and you play a lot of golf and you are a C-level, uh, C-level guy at your company and you're in a lot of meetings and you lean on your elbow through all of these meetings let's not lean on that elbow. And then we and I kind of talk to him about the gate theory a little bit. And they're like, oh, okay, you know, dumb it down. I said, well, I shouldn't say dumb it down, bring it down in terms of lay person, um, you know, verbiage. And then they, they get, the, yeah, just making it to where general, it's like I'm sitting down with my dad right. explaining how this right. stuff yeah, exactly. works. And just get old boy. Exactly. Language. And then they, they really get it. And they're like, Oh, and so that, that pain science is really, the more that I've read about that, that's been a game changer within folks and results um, in the office. It's not that I'm doing this voodoo magic pressure points with my thumbs or joint mobilization with this fancy glitter band or these weird, cool exercises. It's like, if you guys understand what's going on and kind of why you're having these patterns and compensation things start to change a little bit. And uh, I read some Lorimer Mosley stuff and that really opened my eyes uh, about a year ago with this paint. Yeah, he's got some good posters too out of that Explain Pain yeah. book. Uh, there's also another really good one. I can't remember the author. It's called Therapeutic Neuroscience Education. Yeah. Uh, that one's really good. It's got some good graphs in it. And then... Uh, what's his face on uh, the it's a three-part book on uh, let me click here the guy's a Aussie uh, it's called aches and pains it's by I can't believe I can't remember his name uh, Louis Gifford on uh, that is a extremely great three-part series. Um, 
and it is the the gentleman unfortunately passed away of prostate cancer i believe in like 2013 but the guy was just a he was just a huge figure in physical therapy uh and he has our same way of explaining these things to Mm -hmm. where he's like okay uh this is this analogy and like he explains pain science and talks about these patient cases and what they taught him in a like like you're sitting with them at the the bar having a a beer on how he would explain this stuff so it's a really great read but you can tell that uh he's just really distilling years and years and years of research uh because he actually interned at maitland's clinic uh, and kind of saw through some of that BS of kind of putting someone in the same box and did a bunch of lecturing yeah. with uh, Butler, who did a bunch of the, the nerve flossing. Yeah. Uh, and, and those guys were kind of the pillars in the, the early 2000s in the physical therapy world. And I, I've really enjoyed those. I'm, in, I'm on the third book right now just because it's a very dense read, but it's a very fun read. So it's not like reading a textbook. It's like, almost like if Kelly Starrett wrote a pain science book, but in a very British connotation to where I'm like, what the hell does that mean? And you look up like British slang and you're like, Oh, okay. But it's a, it's a very good read. If you haven't looked into it, it's a, it's a pretty solid read. So it's aches and pains by Louis Gifford. I've heard the name, uh, but I haven't, I haven't uh, dove into that, that literature yet, but I'll put that on the list for sure. Yeah, and that's where I got some of the the material for some of the, the Instagram videos on uh, that recovery curve and things like that. Uh, it, it's good stuff. Yeah, for sure. Um, oh, I meant to I meant to say uh, price point. I just blanked on that. I try to be very open about that because everybody wants to nickel and dime you in this day and age. Um, so my hourly rate's one fifty. And if you go half an hour, it's half as much kind of thing. So that's, uh, I'm probably a little bit, I'm right in the sweet spot right now. I'm debating on doing some things, uh, come the first of the year, but right now no one's balking at that and it's paying the bills. So there are some things in the works that could potentially kind of up that price just a little bit, but, uh, they're still, they're in the, they're in the infancy stages as we speak. So to, we're at about 42 minutes here. So uh, anything else that you want to talk about with just your overall like experience jumping to cash, any other uh, little tidbits that you wanted to nerd out on? Because I know this isn't going to be the last time I have you on the podcast, but uh, I know that after about 40 minutes, people are like, all right, I'm at work and, and we start to lose people. So uh, how do you want to kind of bring this home? Yeah. Um, I think the biggest thing is don't think if someone is listening to this and they're in a, in an insurance realm and they're like, I'm not happy. Um, what are their options? There are other options out there and people, the general public will pay for services. If you provide value to those services, they're not going to, they're not going to pay you for just, having a conversation with you. Some might, um, but you got to think about it. This is not a, um, this is not a bash on 
we'll just call it our wives because they can just say that we bash them all the time. And they bash us, but they spend a lot of money to get their hair done. Mm-hmm. And, and that is a cyclical thing. And they don't balk at that. And as a husband of one of those wives, nor do I, because I know that makes her feel good. That makes her confident. That makes her enjoy the things that she wants to enjoy in a better light. So understanding that people pay money for lots of services and they pay good amounts of money for them. So know what you're worth and be confident when you're talking about these things to people. So even if you're in an insurance realm and someone has an $8,000 deductible, and I don't think this treatment is really, is this the right thing for my ankle? Well, what you tell me, and this is, and lay it out. So just understanding that you, there is value to be had and people will pay for that and not to gloss over that fact. Yeah. And so I think that's a good point to kind of bring this home. And if people want to, if they don't know you uh, because they're not affiliated with the Rosti and they're just listeners of the podcast for so like the two people that aren't, uh, how do, how do they kind of look at your clinic website or how does, what's the best way to contact you if they have questions about your journey into cash-based practice and solo practice? Yeah, sure. Uh, the website is inboxrehab.com and that's got all the contact information there. Uh, my, excuse me, my Instagram handle, uh, D R T Bryant. And that's got pictures of my kiddo, of my wife, of me doing some silly stuff. But then the clinic website has a, uh, or the clinic has an Instagram handle as well. It's got a little bit more content involved there. And that's, that's, I'm getting that up and going as well. Um, so the website is inboxrehab.com is the best place to, to find all things related. Cool. Cool, man. Well, it was great talking to you and uh, I look forward to following up with you in the future when we get some more topics rolling and just kind of building on this first conversation. Yeah. Likewise, Nick. Good to hear from you, man. All right, guys. This is the the last episode in single digits. So episode nine, next episode will be put our big boy pants on and go episode 10. So thanks for listening.